Sorry, guys. I, I, I lost my composure out there. I'm an idiot. Frank, Frankie, don't worry about it, all right? We're gonna make those points if I promise you that. And your skin's gonna grow back, too. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay, now how many events do we actually have left here? One. Uh, Frank's accident definitely set us back, but if we pass, if we pass athletics, we're in, so... Come on, all right, everybody. That's what I'm talking about, guys. We've made a great effort so far. Let's just keep it up. That's right! We can't have anyone freak out out there, okay? We've got to keep our composure. We've come too far. There's too much to lose. We've got to just keep our composure. Long, Prescott runs it up the middle. 15, 10, 5, diving to the run. Something? You know something? Not only are we going to New Hampshire, Tom Harkin, we're going to South Carolina and Oklahoma and Arizona and North Dakota and New Mexico. We're going to California and Texas and New York. And we're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. Uh, I'm a fun guy. Uh, obviously, I love the game of basketball. Um, I mean, there's just more questions you have to ask me um, in order for me to tell you about myself. I just can't give you a whole spiel. <laughs> I don't even know where you're sitting at. But <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Zero to 100 podcast. This is episode 14. And once again, I'm your host, William C. Walker Jr. Um, Apologies for posting this late. It is Monday, June 17th. Ordinarily, I get these out on Sunday. But uh, yesterday was Father's Day. Um, Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. And, um, you know, we had a barbecue for my dad. uh, Very proud to be named after my father and um but yesterday was a pretty full and busy day and i didn't get a chance to edit this episode and uh, get it out for yesterday so i'm posting it today um as you can see new opening uh, <laughs> that opening clip was from the movie old school and uh, it was a hilarious scene where <laughs> will ferrell is talking about keeping composure yet at the same time spazzing out and so i just wanted to include that uh, also featured was howard dean's speech in 2004 uh, pretty much the speech where people say this is where he lost the democratic nomination which is a bit harsh i think it's a bit ridiculous but 
but yeah it was a hilarious uh, moment and he definitely seemed a little uh off the rails there um i actually have the uh i'll probably play a little bit later the entire speech because i actually cut it in half because there were some other parts in there where he was saying some other states delaware got a shout out <laughs> on it so um and then that was followed by the uh what you heard was Kawhi leonard's introductory um you know uh, press conference when he's being introduced to the toronto media and his very distinct laugh and that's because in this episode is going to be two subjects we're going to be talking politics and sports so i'm going to be playing the uh, other half of my conversation with my cousin dr ebony and uh, my friend christina um, because again uh, like i said in the last episode i cut that conversation in half and this is going to be the second part of it and then uh, the rest of the episode we're going to be talking about sports the uh, outcome from the nba finals as well as the women's national team um which yes because the world women's world cup is going on right now and yes i do care and i'm excited because i love sports and to uh, wrap up the episode just a couple of quick thoughts and comments on some uh, sports related uh yeah sports related stuff that happened over the weekend this is the zero to 100 podcast episode 14 so as I previously stated, this is the second part of the conversation I had with uh, Ebony and Christina, and um, it's going to pick up right uh, where we left off, and we're going to be uh, talking about pretty much the Trump administration and some of the people in it, as well as um, tail end of our abortion um, discussion, and then it gets more into um, the Trump administration and some of the Democratic nominees, so uh, that this is the second part of that conversation. Thanks for listening to the Zero to One Hundred podcast. Any, uh... Yeah, I mean, I, I've kind of checked out of of following Trump and his administration, and that that may be why these laws are squeaking by because um, a lot of people are checked out and kind of like I'm so over it, mm-hmm. and so they're quietly able to make these like kind of really shocking um, moves. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that Roe versus Wade is probably one of the most memorable and notable things that people, whether you, you know, have attained higher education, whether you dropped out at ninth grade, I feel like it's just one of those cases that everyone knows about and is aware of and had no thought that it could possibly ever, moving forward, be overturned. I mean, to me, it's like Brown versus the Board of Education. I mean, yeah. just, you know, we've come so long that there's no possible way that we can go backwards. And so to your point about Trump and 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 Obama or Bush or Clinton or Bush Sr. or Reagan or Nick, I mean, none of those people it, that I can think of could do the things that Trump has done and have the background that he did and be in the position that he is and have the administration around him that he has. I mean, mm-hmm. even um, Dr. Ben Carson, who I used to admire a oh, great deal. Tell me about <laughs> oh, it. I'm like, me, good grief. Me I so mean, it's, just, it's embarrassing. And it's yes. embarrassing because, not because he's so dumb or he's so inexperienced or he's so clueless and ignorant in the field, but because it's almost like 
this is the representation that we have. Mm-hmm. Again, and we haven't come so far. I mean, it's great that, you know, whether it's television or even looking at the Democratic candidates, the diversity that we see, but it's not like we've come so far that we can afford an idiot. Like, mm-hmm. white people can afford a Trump. I mean, they have plenty of examples that have been exalted to that position. You know, 44 presidents have been white males. They have plenty of examples, and, you know, we have one. And that took everything that we had. And so we can't afford to see someone who is so utterly out of place and almost has just destroyed, I won't even say almost has. I feel like he's destroyed his legacy. I feel like he's known for being a buffoon and before he is his illustrious medical career, which is really, really disheartening considering how long he had to go to school and train. Neurosurgery is not an easy field, and you had to go to school and do residency and fellowship and postdoctoral work and all of these things. You worked so hard to undo your entire legacy, and not just for yourself, but for, you know, an entire race of people. Me and Shalay talk about that all the time because we, like, I always looked up to Ben Carson. Like I had his books, Gifted Hands. My mom, my dad, my mom and dad had his books, Gifted Hands and Think Big. And I remember like I read Think Big. Um, my dad had me read it one summer and I was just like so inspired by the guy. And I remember I, I got to meet him in person and have him sign my book. And so it's like to see the way he is now, like me and Shalee always be like, it, it's so, like you said, it's embarrassing. And it's almost like we're like, what happened to him? Like, who is this man? This is not Ben Carson. Like, it makes zero sense. And it's so embarrassing to us now. Um, it's like, that's that's actually a good transition, though, because I wanted to get into the uh, Trump administration a little bit of what's been going on. Um, and it's funny that you say, like, it's like, like you said, Ebony, that, like, you know, white people can have that type of president like we can't have someone like that it reminds me of the joke that chris rock said where he felt like after obama had won he was like you know everybody like, oh we made it he's like oh i'm not gonna say we made it until we had like a a black bush like a uh like like a like a, you know like a bad black president because that'll show you that you know, now we done made it because we done had, like, you can't have somebody like Obama who's, like, the Michael Jordan of presidents. And then <laughs> you got to have somebody that's, like, you know, the, um, you, you got to have a bad president before you can have, like, before you can say that, okay, now we even or equal. But um, the stuff, like, you know, recently, you know, Robert Mueller got up and he spoke and he was kind of just reiterating what he has said in his 400-page uh, report on the um, Russia investigation. And the thing that kind of sh- stood out to me that he said during, like, his press conference on May 29th was that, um, like, when he was addressing the issue of obstruction of justice um, in regards to the president, he said, had, uh, had we had confidence that the president clearly did not commit a crime we would have said so and so it's like when i hear that it's like okay so you couldn't say he didn't commit like you know you 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 didn't come out and say well no he's cleared of obstruction of justice he didn't do anything so it's like clearly he did something so you believe he obstructed justice 
But he also was saying how because he's a sitting president, they can't, like, they couldn't do anything. Like, they couldn't press any charges up to Congress. So, you know, I talked to my dad because my dad was alive during, you know, the Watergate stuff. And he looks at Nixon and the things that he did. And he looks at the stuff that Trump did. And it's like, it almost makes Nixon, in my dad's words, it makes Nixon look like he was a choir boy. So, are you guys, like, angry that Congress has not tried to impeach him or that they're, like, still gathering evidence, even though it's very clear that he's committed crimes while in the office? It's not surprising to me. I thought everybody was hoping that, like, um, like that report is going to come out and this is what they're going to do to – this is what the – the, the out that they can finally get him out and impeach him. And I knew from the joke, I was like, that report is not going to do that. If what he's doing right now isn't impeachable, all Mueller is doing, I feel like it's just, you know, okay, he did this, he did that, which everything we already know. So I just feel like he just kind of did like a, a summary of everything he's been doing this the last few years. Honestly, he has done, he has put into motion trying to make the investigation very, very, very hard and very difficult for him. So I knew right then and there, I was just like, oh, yeah, this report is not going to go anywhere. The Republicans, whether they like it or not, they love him because they could use him and flip him and turn him and do whatever they want to out of him uh, to get what they ultimately really want. So they're going to do everything in their power to keep him in office. Because, you know, if mm-hmm. had this been a, like, you know, obviously had this been Obama, like, their agenda would not have progressed. It would have been killed, obviously. But because he's there and he's an idiot, he doesn't know anything, they're just going to be like, nope, we're going to try to protect him because while he's here, we can do all the stuff that we've been wanting to do for the last eight years that we couldn't do under this black man. So now he's here. Let's do it. And now, by all means, we're going to try to protect him. Why you have all these? What do you think you have all these Republicans say? Oh, he hasn't done anything. Oh, I still support him. Da 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 da. No, no, they don't. No, mm-hmm. they don't. They know that he's a buffoon and he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like you know it's like a child. You know when you can convince a child to do something. <laughs> yeah. It's literally <laughs> like that. It's, it's, he's a child that they're convincing to him to do stuff, and he hasn't done anything. And that's what, it kills me when I hear people talk about some of these Trump supporters, and they're like, "Oh, he's doing this, he's doing that." Like he hasn't done anything. He hasn't signed anything into law other than the prison reform law. Everything that he's done is is undoing Obama stuff. Mm-hmm. He hasn't done anything to make. He's like, "Oh, you know, it's to make your lives better." All you, all you. All the, all the, the only thing he has done is giving you the, make you feel comfortable saying the N-word to my face. Mm. That's literally the only thing that he's done. He hasn't done anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I agree. It's, it's just, I guess that's the thing that frustrates me. Um, it's just the embold, like the way that these people that do support him feel so emboldened now. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not. 100% angry that they're not moving to impeach him because the reality of it is it's the way impeachment works is okay Congress is controlled by the Democrats the Senate is controlled by the Republicans and so even if Congress were to move and they 
you know, would vote to impeach him, it's not going to get through the Senate. So it's not like they can really do anything. So it's almost like, let's, you know, let's not try to be partisan in that regard. Let's just, you know, because the reality of it is, let's, like, if we had, like, more evidence or let's get more evidence in regards to it. But to me, it's more of a standpoint where it's really on us. And it's like, that's why the elections coming up is that much more important to get him out of there. Because the reality of it is, the Republicans, they made their bed. And it's like you said, they, they want to, even if they act like, they like they try to act like, oh, well, we you know, we, we want to support them. And, you know, even like, for example, with the tariffs, like he's trying to put tariffs on Mexico and a lot of Republicans were coming out saying that they don't support the idea, but yet they'll go along with it because they've made their exactly. bed. Like they lock in step with him. And that's like, he's, he is yep. their leader, even if they don't agree with the stuff that he's doing. Like, because one, they love, like you said, they love him being in there because it gives them control because yeah, they can't get stuff done that they don't want. Like, you know, that they couldn't get done under Obama. So this mm-hmm. is, you know, it's that's just one of my things. It's just, it's, I, I'm upset, but I understand why it's not taking place. But it also means it's more important for me to do my part to make sure that he doesn't get another term. <clears throat> I didn't mean to uh, jump over you, Ebony. If you wanted to add something to it, I kind of jumped before you could speak. Oh, you said you were going to jump over? No, I said I, I was trying. I didn't mean to jump over, um, like, because I kind of jumped in to the conversation before I gave you a chance to share your thoughts on it. Oh, no, that's fine. That's perfectly fine. Um, so the original question was, like, are we disappointed that they're not moving yeah. more aggressively towards impeachment? Yes. And I have mixed feelings on that. I mean, at this point... Um, coming up on election year, I'd rather Democrats, Republicans, independents, whomever, and everybody mm-hmm. to kind of spend more time educating ourselves um, and becoming more involved and, and, and using it as a lesson. Mm-hmm. I mean, one thing that I vowed to do was to get more involved in like local politics. Um, so things like these abortion laws can't pass. Um, and people that are in positions to do things like that wouldn't even be there. And I've, I've moved um, from Tennessee to Indiana. And so um, just getting to learn new legislation and, and learn a new area and things like that, I haven't really spent the time um, here yet. And so I kind of feel a little disappointed in myself because, I mean, it was a real wake-up call, like, wow, I thought this was a joke that Trump was even running, and then he won the primaries, and I thought that was a joke, and then, you know, he ended up winning, and, you know, all the things that have come out from what Christina said, undoing things, and then things that are illegal, and um, giving, like, the tax reform is just really awful, and, Mm -hmm. I mean, just so many things that he's done that have been awful that I'm almost at the point where... I don't want to spend any more resources or um, time or energy focusing on that, and I'd rather spend the time and energy focusing on educating ourselves and becoming involved and making sure that we pick not only, you know, a great 
next president, but next mayors, mm-hmm. next city council people, right. next yeah. you know, state yeah. representatives and senators and things like that. So that's on one hand. On the other hand, I do feel like a message needs to be sent that you just can't be out here doing illegal stuff and just get away with it. I mean, you know, whether it's um, costing us money or not, or costing us resources or time or feeling vengeful, which is what a lot of people feel, you just can't be out here breaking the law all willy-nilly and be president. Um, And so I do feel like, you know, a lesson needs to be taught, a precedent needs to be set that, okay, you can't be rich, just say whatever you want, be as offensive as out of line and criminal. Let's just call a spade a spade and just walk free and feel like, okay, well, that went badly. That was four years of American history. But like, no, we're 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 in the age of accountability, or we're supposed to be. And so, um, on one hand, like I said, I kind of like over it. And then on the other hand, I'm like, no, but he needs to be in jail. Like, that needs to be a lesson taught and scare everyone moving forward that whether you're, whatever political party you're aligned to, you can't do the things that he's done and walk around, maintain your status, your wealth, be paid for it by our tax dollars, and that just be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's... I really like that you said that um, in regards to educating yourself and getting involved with um local politics that's i mean that like what i've been doing especially the last uh three episodes is trying to highlight uh some of the different democratic nominees because i'm trying to educate myself as well as to uh what these people are standing for but the local politics angle of it is incredibly important it's and and that's the thing i think people kind of overlook sometimes because um it matters who's in the state representative, like who's like in like who's in the state Congress and stuff like that, because they are the ones that pass these laws. And, um, you know, before I forget, I should say that uh, with the you know going back to the abortion issue, like even though there is, you know, there's these nine states that have passed these laws, none of these laws are actually in effect yet. And um, that's because. Uh, they some of them have a future enactment date and then some of them are actually tied up in lawsuits um, because there's a lot of people that are fighting these laws, thankfully. And um, so none of them have actually passed yet. But it's like if you don't pay attention to who's in those offices, then it can go through. And that's like you said, it's important to educate yourself. It's very important to know what these people stand for. Does it align with what you think? And so, you know, that's why, yes, please educate yourself. And not just in the national races, but on the local level. Because, like, they have just as much of an impact, if not more so, than who you have in the the White House. Um, Just to transition a little bit, because since we're talking about this, there's 23... You know, and that number blows my mind even when I like when I'm doing my like spotlights. So it's, it's 23 Democratic nominees right now. Does does any of them stand out to you guys? Like, do you know any of them? Nope, nope, and nope. 
I mean, of course, I mean, I know a few of them. Yeah. But I'm just like, yeah, yeah, no. If they keep it up doing what they're going to do, Trump is going to win again. That's the fear. That that, I... that's, that, that's the reality. The, the, the problem is, is and I know for a second I'm going to sound like I'm giving Trump a compliment, but I'm not. The problem is, is that most of our laws and, reg- and, and administration and most of the attention has always been given to the East Coast, the West Coast, and a little bit of and a little bit of the South, mostly Texas, right? So these people in, in the middle of America, where they have the vast majority of the electoral college votes, which blows my mind, why some of these states that have five people have like twenty electoral college votes, which mm-hmm. is crazy. California only got like two, and they got a gazillion people there. So you know, obviously, who's gonna you know who's gonna win that race? But but in the middle of America, those people have felt so disenfranchised and have been, and they felt so left out. And in many ways, I would have to agree with them. They have, because the population isn't there. There's not a lot of liberals there. There's not a lot of Democrats. There's not a lot, even a lot of black people. The diversity is not there. So they kind of felt, you know, left out. And Trump was that voice for them. Trump makes them feel like, okay, we're here. Okay, we matter. And until Democrats can tap into those areas to tell those people, no, Trump doesn't give two craps about you. We do. This is how we can help. Trump will win again. And they haven't. All they're doing is being very anti-Trump. You can't do that. You you have to be able to speak to these people. You have to be able to, to get to them. And by doing, and the only way you can do that is by saying, I hear you, and actually solving their problems, or at least coming up with some solutions to solve whatever problems that they're, you know, that they're facing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, I personally like Bernie, but he's too socialistic. If, I, if he wins, this is what's going to happen. They're going to do exactly what they did to Obama. They elected a Democrat president, and then they gave him two houses with Republicans who said from the jump that anything that this man says, we're going to do the complete opposite. They said that before he even was even elected. If he wins, we will not work with him. We will not cooperate. And so a lot of people felt like Obama didn't really do a lot of things, right? So if Bernie gets in, you know, he considered himself kind of like a like a Alexander Ocasio does, a Democratic Socialist. The word socialist, a lot of people do not like that, right? Because that that triggers that triggers fear of a, a, a Castro-like uh, country, right? Or like uh, or what's going on in China. Um, so because of that alone, I think people are not going to um, vote for him. And a lot of his ideas, I, my first thing is, who won't pay for all of this? Mm. Because the vast majority, of the people who are actually running this country, is the middle class. Mm-hmm. Whatever is left of them, and it ain't much of that uh, of them left. So who's gonna pay for all this stuff? So if he wins, they're gonna give him two republic. They're gonna give him two houses Republican. He's not gonna be able to do anything. Same thing like with Obama. Not gonna. I mean, Obama did stuff, obviously, but I would have liked him to do more. He would have been able to do more if we gave him two houses mm-hmm. that were mostly uh, Democrat. We probably would have had way more uh, progressive legislation passed. Mm-hmm. But they're going to do what they did to him, you know, two Republican houses, and he's not going to do anything. Kamala, I don't think she has enough support. Uh, I personally, I was happy that she ran. I was like, oh, good, you know, black woman, she's running. Um, but I don't really like what she did for California. She was really tough as a prosecutor. Um, 
but she prosecuted a lot of innocent people too. She put she uh, is responsible for putting innocent black men in in jail, and we're on the heels of watching when they see us. I mean, she's not that much different from Linda Feinstein or whatever that lady's name by putting innocent people in jail. I mean, she was kind of harsh on mothers. If mothers didn't take their children to, or parents, I should say, didn't take their children to school, she would jail them. Why? That's not going to solve anything. Do you know why these women are not, or parents are not bringing the children to school? Did you investigate? No, you're just kind of applying a blanket law in front of everybody. And the law shouldn't be just blanket. It shouldn't be a one-size-fits-all. It really needs to be on a case-by-case basis. Some of the other ones, they're, like, they're so unknown it's just, and what they're saying now, I'm just like, yeah, no, it's, it's never going to happen. Not, no, it's too, they're like, oh, free health care, uh, you know, free tuition and stuff like that. And it's great. Don't get me wrong. It's not, it's not like I don't like those ideas. I love those ideas. Well, who's going to pay for that? Mm-hmm. You know, that's the thing I keep telling people. Like, yeah, it's great. We have these progressive things. Awesome. Well, who's going to pay for that? <laughs> um... <laughs> that's the thing. That's the thing we always got to remind ourselves. Who's going to pay for all of this stuff, free stuff that we're giving out? That's, I mean... Th- well, okay. Oh, go so ahead, Ebony. There's a couple of points that I'm going to respectfully disagree with. Mm-hmm. So, um, one, I really don't... One of the things that I feel that went wrong in the 2016 election is that a lot of... Um, talking points and a lot of like high level highlights that were fed to all of us, not Democrats, not Republicans, all of us is what the media wanted us to see. Mm -hmm. And I think in efforts, and I don't think this is at all what you're doing, but I think we all to a certain degree have been guilty of it uh, because it's it's like, like you said, Billy, it's 25 candidates at this point. And we all have our own lives, whether it's spouses, children's job, in school, whatever it is, that we can't just sit down and make a job of studying these candidates. I mean, that's just impossible. So we do rely a lot on what is said to us, what is is what we read about, the, the summaries mm-hmm. and the, you know, um, synopses of a lot of the candidates. And then there might be a couple that we hear about that we are drawn to, whether it's their race or familiarity, like with Biden or something like that. And so one of the things I think that happened is that um, things were planted in the media or, I would say, um, magnified. I won't even say planted because I'm not going to go conspiracy theorist, even though we know there was clear um, interference in the mm-hmm. election. But... Let's just say magnified, like the emails with Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. Okay, if I heard one more thing about her dang emails, I was going to lose it. Um, and <laughs> I agree. <laughs> an effort to sound like educated and quote unquote woke, which is a lot of fake wokeness going on, Close. particularly on social don't, media. Don't get me like, started. People say, oh, I'm not here for this person because of that. And I feel like that's a little bit what's going on with Kamala Harris. I don't like her record as a prosecutor. I don't like what she did here. And and I'm not saying you specifically, but I've heard that. And a lot of times, me, I don't know either. I mean, I've only watched a few interviews um, and and seen her talk a bit. But um, 
a lot of times, like specifically, is it your overall record? Is there a particular case? What is it specifically about her record? Or is it just the fact that she was a prosecutor, which somebody has to do it? And one thing that I liked that she said in her defense is that you don't want all of our prosecutors to be white men. Um, that's part of the problem with the justice system mm-hmm. or our injustice system is that, you know, the prosecutors, the judges, people that make the decisions and, and go after the sentencing of our black men and women um, are, are, are oppressors, quite frankly. So mm-hmm. I do think that there is value in her being a prosecutor. And I do think that early in her career, having been a high-achieving black woman in the early 90s, late 80s, um, she probably was sipping the Kool-Aid a little bit. Like, this is your job. This is what you're here to do. And I think that we're not giving her enough credit for growth, for maturing as a woman and as a person, as she lived more life and started to make her own decisions and not be so career-focused and things like that. And I think we can all, we all do that, like, in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Where I remember... Um, my boyfriend's brother started working for Sally Mae Navient. I will never forget it. And we were talking about, um, you know, student loans, and and I was saying how ridiculous it was and things like that. And he had only been working there like two weeks. And he was like, well, you know, here's the thing. Nobody forced you to take those loans, and you did finance your education. I was like, I was like oh, you're sipping the Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. Like, that quickly, yeah. are you, like, advocating the interest of Sally Mae for mm-hmm. somebody that's not paying you very well. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you are really, like, going after their agenda. And so I do think that people can initially, in their own interest of performing well at work, kind of be overzealous. And I think that's probably, from what I've seen of Pamela, what she was most guilty of, to be honest. That's but a... I don't think hold her accountable for something 20, 25 years ago and to say, how did that experience help you or shape you or would you go back and do anything differently? I don't think it's fair to not give her credit for that today. Um, so I do like Kamala a lot because I like her. If I'm not mistaken, she had a plan for increasing um, like the equivalent of earned income tax credit which I never have gotten because I don't have children. So the big, quote-unquote, tax refunds that people look forward to every year, I'm always salty about it. And at this point, I don't qualify for anything. Um, I like the fact that she was looking to to expand that to the middle class, and you mentioned that, that, like, whatever is left of them. One thing that I think that these Democratic candidates have to do is what you said, stop being so anti-Trump and just speak to people who are looking for someone who has a solution. Whether you're anti-Trump or not, like, fine, let's move past that. I think one of the things that is missed to your point about middle America is that a lot of people identify themselves as middle class, and by today's standards of the cost of living, they're actually lower class. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, getting people to understand their position, like one thing that Trump, he thought he was speaking to like middle America because he was talking about people who go to work every day. Mm -hmm. And I think people who go to work every day, especially if you have a two-income household, you automatically identify yourself as (coughs) middle class. 
and he was empowering them and making them feel like somehow you're better than, quote, unquote, those other ones, the people that are dragging the system down, people that are on mm-hmm. assistance, like that, mm-hmm. when most of them qualify for assistance. If That's, you have yes. income, yes. but you have four children, and you have a household of six, and y'all together are making $50,000, like, you need a little help in today's um, standards, yes. Yeah. The thing so I that, think that not to insult Middle America, that's not my goal, but to say, okay, we definitely need to help Middle America understand, one, where they are, and two, what their future looks like in this day and age of artificial intelligence, in this day and age of tech coming stronger and stronger. That class of people is going to shrink continually. And you are either going to have the wealthy, and you're going, or you're going to have um, poor, and then you're going to have very few people that qualify as comfortable, where they don't have to work um, an extra job. And I don't mean a multiple stream of income, but I mean actually go out and work, where you're working more than you're seeing your family and spending time with your family. And I think that that class of people need a solution. But the first thing is for them to understand where they are. And I think that a lot of middle middle America is disillusioned because when Trump was feeding about bringing back the steel mills, and I'm like, bruh, like, who's doing that? The coal. Oh, the coal. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, that's working against you. That's putting yeah. you in the hospital. That's driving your health care costs because that's not good for you. Yeah, totally agree. Because they don't, they don't yeah, know. They don't know. I mean, like, the thing nobody's that, doing that anymore. Exactly. You know, that's kind of like saying, okay, I'm going to have somebody, I'm going to send a whole bunch of people to school to become bricklayers. Yes. Well, right. that's not a profession that exists anymore. I mean, for um, years. You know, if you lay bricks, you also have to be a carpenter and you also have to do other things. So it was kind of like speaking to this disillusioned group of people that really weren't really sure. And I guess we're just holding on to some sort of like past ideal or something and so mm-hmm. i think for middle america those that you're talking about and like i said i live in middle america now um that is what is going to be important for yeah. for them especially because as the cost of living continues to rise people who have gone to college and feel like they've done things the quote unquote right way and are not um seeing the financial payoff that they expected from getting this four-year degree or becoming so upset and and discontent and things like that, um, that that's really between your manual laborers and your, um, like, college-educated group of people that are not living comfortably, especially if you're single, woman, man, whomever. It's tough out here. So I think that those are the the things that um, the candidates are going to have to speak to. But first, I think just as a whole, we have to recognize, like, oh, that's me. I qualify for that. I can't afford my student loans. Oh, okay, that's me. Um, I'm a manual laborer whose job may be, you know, um, at risk to be eliminated. And what am I going to do? And how can I prepare my not just myself but my children? I think that that's what Democrats really need to do. And I do think that Kamala Harris has a plan. I mean, like I said, I, th- I thought that um, her saying that, just like how Trump gave tax breaks to corporations, most of the Democrats plan to do the exact opposite and say, okay, these corporations need to pay mm-hmm. more taxes than the rest of us. And um, I think that, you know, there's a number of people 
those candidates that I like and those that I don't, to have plans in place to do that um, and to fund it. And then there's one candidate that I was looking up, and I can't think of who it is, but um, she was talking about increasing the budget for things like health care um, by decreasing military spending. And was it that, Warren? No, it wasn't no. Warren. No. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of who, who said that. I have to look at it. It's like an so, Asian woman. Is she Asian? Oh, um, uh, I think I know you. Um, I'm literally trying to look up her name right now. I'm like, oh. I know. I know uh, who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, I know who you're talking about. It's, um, hold on. I had the list. Where was it? Was no, that's it, not her. Um, that's not her. That's not her. Elizabeth. Was are you sure it was a woman? Yes, definitely a woman. Um, let me Dark look hair. Up. What was that, Chris? Uh, I'm gonna look the it only up. The Asian guy that I can think of is I think is Andrew Yang. Yeah, that's why I was asking yeah. if it was a woman because there is an Asian candidate. No, Andrew, not Andrew Yang. Yang. That's the guy. That's the techie yeah, guy. Yeah, that was the tech yeah. guy. Uh, um. And him, but uh, I will look it up. And just are, are you talking about the girl from Hawaii? So it was the Tulsi. You're right. Gabbard. Hawaii. Oh, yeah. Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi, Tulsi Gabbard. She's from Hawaii. I think she's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So there is a lot there <laughs> because that's, I mean, I guess that's why I'm doing the spotlights because it's like you said, Ebony, like, not everybody puts in the work to research people and look into the stuff. And, you know, I've only done uh, Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, and Kamala Harris. Um, Kamala Harris was the last one I did, and I've read a lot about her. I do think at times, it's like I was saying when I did the spotlight on her, is that people will look at her track record and they just will focus on, like, they'll cherry pick pieces of her record. Um, and it like, you know, in terms of the, her, uh, you know, charging parents for truancy or like if their kids wasn't going to school, that's, that's, that's nationwide. Like that's a nationwide thing. That's nothing new. She's not doing anything differently than what's done in any other state. And I think even, I remember when she was being interviewed in, in that regard, she was talking about how she would work with parents to go, well, what can we do so that, you know, why is it that the child's not, you know, in school? Is it because you have them at home watching other kids? Okay, well, what can we do to help you get help for watching other kids? So I think, like, that's one of the things people will knock her for that I don't really knock her for because it's like there's certain parts of her her time as a prosecutor where she did do some some good things. Um, I, I think the overall thing that I took when I was reading about her, though, is that I looked at her. Um, I think you made a very accurate assessment, Ebony, in regards to, like, you, you said she was sipping the Kool-Aid. And it's like, we all do that. Like, if you're working for a certain portion of a certain company, like, they, you buy into certain things. And um, when she was a prosecutor, where there was things that she would say that, like, she was filled with a lot of, contradiction it was like you know she would be like oh i'm against the death penalty and um like you know she had there was a a felon that was convicted of murder and an officer and she everybody wanted her to push for the death penalty and she didn't 
But then when California's death penalty was deemed unconstitutional, then she fought to keep it in place, even though she didn't, um, like, agree with it. And then one of the quotes she had was when somebody was asking her about her, her record as an attorney general and prosecutor, she was going, well, the state was my client, and I, you know, fight for my client. And so it's like, when I hear that, I look at her like, yes, she's a lawyer. And lawyers, at times, to me, care about winning. And it depends on what side they're on. And that's, like, the little issue I have with her. Um, it's, it, it, it's, you know, I don't think that she would be a bad candidate. Like, you know, it's like I was saying when I did the spotlight on her. She definitely is pushing herself out there as she's going to do a lot of reforms and she's the, um, you know, the law-abiding candidate. And that's a good contrast to Trump, who, like we say, is clearly not law-abiding, who clearly does whatever he, he wants. And so you have that contrast where this person is law-abiding. But, yeah, a lot of her fighting appeals of innocent people was very, very troubling to me. And, like, that, that does bother me. And I'm not saying that she can't learn from it, but it... Is something where I look at her is like, is she really going to fight for change or reform, or is she just gonna kind of get the position and then be like, well, let me just go with what I need to do to stay electable and not really fight for real progressive change? And that's the only issue I have with her. Like, um, I mean, I think again, it's very important that. People, like I, you know, one of the things I keep saying whenever I do the spotlights is educate yourself. Like educate, educate, educate. Like, and I know it's hard to look up certain people and find certain things, but it's like you just brought up the the plan from um, Tulsi Gabbard. Like I didn't even know about that, and that's why it's like me going through each of these candidates and trying to do a little spotlight on them, even if it's brief. At least it makes it makes me aware of the person and what like what they're doing and um like i'm with you like you know chris what you were saying in regards to like bernie sanders that that was my issue with bernie sanders in 2016 that's my issue with bernie sanders now it's like i i think the stuff that he's promoting i'm like yeah that's that's great it sounds good but i live in reality and the reality of it is you got a split you know, you got split government. You you know, he'll be lucky if he were to have the House in Democratic control and the and you know the Senate in Republican control. And it's like you said, what if it's both in their control? Then you're not getting anything done. And then even if you did have the control, how are you paying for it? And so it's like I need somebody that can. Obama, to me, was was great just because he was also, like, he was center-left. Like, he wasn't, like, he had ideals that were progressive, but he also understood that I need to meet people in the middle and I need to work with others, even to, you know, at times, it's like I always joke with Chalet, I always say, I wish Obama had got in there and was like, I'm the HNIC! And it's like, he, he never did that because that wasn't his character and that's not who he was. Um I definitely agree with you guys that whoever is running against Trump ha has to go on more than I'm anti-Trump. Like, I know when Obama ran the first time, let's just be real, part of what 
helped him was he was like, I'm not Bush. And everybody was like, yay. And um, I think you definitely need more than that with Trump. Like, the thing that frustrates me the most, like, when you were talking about middle America, Ebony and um, Chris, like, the thing that frustrates me the most is that people that voted for Trump and people that typically seem to vote Republican vote against their own interest. Like, they they put forth power. I I think that goes to what Ebony was saying. They don't know their own position, so they're going to vote against it. I was looking at some of the uh, uh, interviews, and there were people like, they were like, oh, yeah, John with Obamacare, John with Obamacare, yeah, Obamacare sucks. Yep. And then they visited these people like months later, and they're like, oh, I had no idea that Obamacare was the Affordable Care yeah. Act, and I'm a part of the Affordable Care Act, and now Trump is trying to take that away. Yes. Oops. Yes. Oops. Like, you had it you all know? the time. So, I, yeah, I, I just, you know, people just don't know the position that they're yeah. in, just like Ebony said. I could not agree even more with that. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I mean... I think that is spot on, Ed, like when you say people don't know where they are. And, I, I mean, I love this country. Like, I love America. It's not perfect. It's far, far, far from perfect. Like, you just, you know, uh, Chris, you had mentioned it. Like, if you watch the Netflix, um, you know, docudrama that uh, Ava DuVernay did, the uh, When They See Us, which I have not brought myself to watch it. I'm planning on watching it, I but can't, I can't watch it either. I'm, 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 just, I just can't watch any more black tra- uh, I'm just, trauma right now. I'm going to can't. watch it, but every time I keep seeing people like Kenya had called me, um, Ebony Kenya called me and told me that she has started watching it and she got five minutes in and was ready to be like, I can't do this. And so it's like, so I already know what my mindset is, but, um, I feel like in this country, it's like we sell people on the American dream. And it's like if you if you work hard and you just, you know, do this and that, you'll become a millionaire. You can become rich. You can do this and that. And the reality of it is, is that it's, a lie. it's, yeah, not it's not real. Like, yeah, like sometimes it's like you have to be put in certain situations. Like there's certain people that like have. Like, uh, like, you know, privilege is real. That's a real thing. And it's like people try to ignore it, but it's real. And, um, like, uh, you know. I'm not too sure if people really ignore the fact that their privilege is real. I think there's a misunderstanding to what privilege means to yeah. them, especially to white people. Privilege means money. Yeah. And there's a lot of white people out there that are broke. And they'll say, oh, well, uh, how much privilege I have. I'm broke. I'm broke. You know, there's, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of people that feel that way. I think there's a misunderstanding of what actual white privilege means. And it has doesn't mean anything about money. It just yeah. means opportunity and obstacles. Exactly. You know, if white people have 20 obstacles that they have to accomplish in their whole life, black people, we have 3,000. Kenya, that's, you know, my sister. That's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> my sister Kenya had told me about. Um, I wish I could remember what program she was watching, but they was, they was teaching privilege to kids like, you know, and like they had a group of kids and they would say, uh, like they would take a, a, a couple, like a group of white kids and they would say, um, all right. So they all started on the same line and then they would tell like, you know, they were like, if you have, um, both parents, like 
take two steps forward and then like a group of kids would take two steps forward and then they'd be like okay if you have only one parent take two steps back and they're like so it is like okay if, if both of your parents have a job take two steps forward and then it's like okay if only one of your parents has a job take two steps back and then they're like if you had like you know so it's like they were showing how it's like you said there are certain situations that are set that people have a natural advantage over others and that's what privilege is and it's like it's like you said they don't seem to like they they bought into this lie where oh well i'm i'm this and this is where i'm at so if i do this and do that then i'll be up here where it's like the thing i I guess the thing that irritated me the most with how trump would appeal to these middle class people and they would use this they would throw this term at him they would be like oh he's a blue collar billionaire that actually that makes zero sense like it's the very definition of an oxymoron you can't be a freaking billionaire and then be blue collar and this well, this well, dude also too people didn't, didn't know his history yes like he's oh, he he initially maybe when the trump family first migrated here because they're immigrants too you know they did start off as blue collar they were poor and then they you know that his parent is you know great grandparents got a business and then you know that that it succeeded and then that wealth was passed on and stuff like that so his father gave him money to start the business and people think that you know oh yeah he went to school he went to apparently he went to Wharton Business School but I highly doubt that um and he went to school oh like yeah and he like rise up in the in the ranks of his father's organization no no exactly his his, his father got old and couldn't do it yes he just handed everything over to him. That's exactly. not working. For, that's not working for him. He just his father just gave it to him. Exactly. He didn't he, work his for it. Gave him more than a million. He could tell people, "Oh, my father gave me a small loan of a million. No, he didn't. He gave you a whole fortune. Yeah. But again, people because people are just they see oh they see his name and lights and all these buildings and they think that he owns it. He doesn't own it. He likes his name. That's how he makes yes. money. But because people don't educate themselves mm-hmm. about him they don't they just see that he's quote-unquote successful and he lives a palace of gold they have no idea that he's hasn't paid contractors that he has mm-hmm. issues with people in the building people all these lawsuits i mean we can keep going on and on and on mm-hmm. and on about all the stuff that he's done prior to becoming president people are just so oblivious they, they don't you know they believe the hype yeah with the, well, with the, with the spike said, don't believe the hype? Yes. <laughs> I guess that's, that's, the, that's the, I mean, that's the the most frustrating thing about it. And so that's why it's like I really hope people this upcoming election just really educate themselves and really just don't drink the, like, you know, as we said, drink the Kool-Aid and really, like, learn what these people are actually, like, going to be like what are their actual plans what are their policies and um like just don't go for the person because one because they're anti-trump and just don't go for the person because this person's black or this person's a woman or this person's young and this person's you know so anyway i would love to keep going but i can always have you guys back it went a little bit longer than i anticipated but i really had a good time talking to you guys I really loved your viewpoints and it made me think about some stuff that I hadn't even thought about. 
And I look forward to having you guys on again in the future, if you would like to. Of course. Absolutely. It was nice to meet you, Christina. It was nice meeting you, too. So thanks for joining All me, right, guys. Thanks, Billy. All right, I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for being on the Zero to 100 podcast. Okay, all right. I don't even know where you're sitting at. Like. <laughs> Want to thank uh, my cousin Ebony and Christina again that uh, joined me for the Zero to 100 podcast. And as I said before, it was a good conversation. So now let's talk sports, as you can tell from the Kawhi, the Kawhi <laughs> posed over the NBA uh, or an NBC music theme, which is one of the best sports uh, music themes ever. It's like right up there to me with uh, Monday Night Football um, but anyway, let's talk NBA finals. So of course the Toronto Raptors defeated the Golden State Warriors in, uh, six games. Kawhi Leonard did get the MVP. Um, I was very happy to be wrong because going into this series, uh, I definitely thought Golden State was going to win without question. In fact, I said, uh, Golden State in six, and I would be would not be shocked or surprised if they actually did the gentleman sweep, which is um, beating them in five games. So it would be four to one. So <clears throat> it came down to me, like, I, I really don't hold any animosity towards Toronto. Like, my team in the NBA, as, you know, people know who know me, is the Detroit Pistons who were in the playoffs, but they got swept by the Milwaukee Bucks because the Pistons are in that terrible place in the NBA, which is, like, not terrible and not really good. So, therefore, they're, like, right there in the middle, um, which is, like, you know, they're good enough to make the playoffs, but they're not good enough to actually make any noise. And so, uh, you know, I really didn't care that much outside of I don't really like Golden State. Um and the only reason I don't like Golden State is, you know, it's not because they built a super team or anything like that. It's Well, it's sort of because I really don't like Kevin Durant. I just – I feel bad for what happened to Kevin Durant. It's terrible that he got injured like that, um, you know. But it's also part of what made uh, Kevin Durant who he is. So, you know, I can't – I feel bad because I feel like part of his issue is he always wants to prove haters wrong and other people and he'll, you know – he went out against his better interest to me. Um, you know, people are blaming Golden State. I don't feel like it was really their fault. It was really up to Kevin Durant. He made that decision, and I think part of it was that he wanted to prove that he was tough and didn't want people to look at him like, oh, he's soft and this and that, and he's a competitor and he wanted to win a championship. So he, he went out. But what it came down to for me was, like, who do I hate more? Who do I dislike more? And that was like, is it Draymond Green? who plays for Golden State, or is it Drake, who swears he is a part of, like, he's the, the you know, key bench player 
for Toronto. Like he was going hard. He to to an annoying degree. I mean, I'm not a Drake hater person. Well, let me just I don't like Drake. I don't think he's that great. I think he's incredibly overrated. I think he's talented for sure, but I don't think he's a talented rapper. I think he's a good, you know, he's a decent singer and, you know, we can put on a show, but he's not a good rapper. He's terrible. Um, but he does get some hot beats. He's got fantastic producers. I can tell you that. That's like, uh, he gets some great beats, which is why I have the zero to 100 beat on my pocket. Plus it's zero to 100. So of course I won't put it on there. Um, but it came down to who do I hate more? And I probably would say I hated Draymond Green more. I find him incredibly annoying. Like he is just, he's definitely that person. Like if he's on your team, you probably love him. If he's not on your team, you can't stand him. And I, he's not on my team, so I can't stand him. Um, I think he's an idiot. And I think he's, he's definitely got talent, but he's just like, he's a workman. Like he's, you know, he's almost like I heard one guy, um, sports um, uh, commentator was saying he, he compares him to Rodman, which I think is very apt. Like he's really good on defense. He does a lot of things. I think he's better than Rodman, though, because I don't think Rodman had a great. Um, well, Rodman to me wasn't a score. He was just a defensive guy and a rebounder. He did a lot of the dirty work. And that's what Draymond Green does. But he can definitely score a little bit better than Rodman. But even still, he was terrible in the series and the games that they lost. Like he was awful. Um, but <clears throat> Kawhi Leonard is by far to me, one of the strangest NBA superstars. Like this dude, after the press conference or after the, they won, when they're interviewing him and they're talking to him, if you go back and you listen to his interviews, it's almost like you can't believe that he won the championship because he acts like he just won the first game of the season or it's like he is the energy level is so like middle of the road like it's never that high or anything like that I'm not saying the dude wasn't happy that they won the championship I'm pretty certain he was but you couldn't really tell if you looked at him it just it almost looks like he was bored to be there um <clears throat> but it's gonna be interesting to see where he goes like a lot of speculation um I think one of the things that people love the most about the NBA is the offseason itself um, like the NBA all season is always like constantly moving. It's a lot of blockbuster things that go down. Like over this past weekend, Anthony Davis got traded to the Los Angeles Lakers. So now everybody's going to be jumping on the Laker bandwagon. As a fact, I think the Vegas odds came out and they're already like, they went from, they weren't even in the playoffs and they were the playoff team to now the Vegas odds have them odds on favorite to win the NBA championship. Now, granted, that plays into the fact that Golden State, you know, had two major injuries like Kevin Durant. Who knows if he's going to re-sign with Golden State? Maybe he will. I think the injury might even help them be able to re-sign him. Um, but then they also got Klay Thompson that got hurt. And that, that was a terrible thing of it because clay thompson in that game six was lighting it up and clay thompson is really good and it's hard to you know it's hard to say how a three-time champion and all-star and you know is underrated but yeah clay thompson is underrated like steph curry is definitely by far the best shooter in the nba um but clay thompson is like right underneath him and he can really light it up um and so him being injured like I 
wasn't sh- I didn't think Durant was coming back to Golden State. Period. Regardless if they won the championship or lost, I think he was going before the injury. Um, now after the injury, I don't know. But Clay Thompson, I know for sure was going to be back, and him not being there next year definitely leaves it open for teams in the West. Um, you know, one of the interesting stats that came up when I was watching Game Six, especially when it went down to the wire and it was nine seconds left, Golden State got the ball because Danny Green like an idiot, you know, threw a terrible pass to Pascal Siakam and they ended up going out of bounds. So when Golden State was down by one point and they had nine seconds left, I'm sitting there like, oh, this game is, yeah, they're over because they're going to win this for sure because Steph is going to kill this. But then they, they flashed the stat in the bottom corner and was showing Steph Curry in the last 20 seconds with a shot opportunity to either go up or tie the game within the last 20 seconds was 0 for 7. And I would have never believed that. Like, I was like, 0 for 7? So it's like at the end of the game, crunch time, you thinking the best shooter in the NBA is, by you know, people argue is the best shooter ever. Um, you would think he would be nailing buzzer beaters all the time, especially because some of the threes he takes, you sit there, you're like, no, no, what are you doing? What? Yeah. Like, he be killing it, like, from – practically the bench hitting threes or practically half court hitting threes. So he got a great look, you know, the pass went to Draymond Green. It was, he kicked it out to Steph Curry, who had a fantastic look at the three. And I just swore that thing was going to go in and it didn't. And then, you know, they the mad scramble for the ball, you know, Golden State calls a timeout. They didn't have one. And then they're, so they call attack. And that, that was pretty much, that was it. That was ball game. Um, You know, I don't hold anything against Toronto other than Drake. So, it's like I like it when teams who have never won before do win. Um, It's it's funny because Golden State, I remember not being upset when they won the first time when they beat Cleveland. Like, I was like, hey, good for them. You know, I've never seen them win anything, so good for those guys. But, um I don't know. It was really, it really was the KD thing, and I, you know, it's like, it's just the fact that they already had won two championships, and or no, I'm sorry, excuse me, they had won a championship uh, without KD, and then they had got like right back, and then they got beat by LeBron with that, you know, Herculean effort of going three one, um, coming back down three one to win the 2016 final, so. I get it. Like, they're like, oh, well, we do need KD or whatever because we didn't win the championship. But it was just kind of like you really didn't need them. And, but, you know, it's like if you couldn't get the best player, why wouldn't you? So I shouldn't hold it against them like that. But I don't know. I do. It's just something about, like, I just hate the way the NBA is going in terms of, like, the super team has to be it. Like, even if you look at the Lakers and they're the interesting predicament that they're in now is that okay so they got anthony davis so now they got a roll dog to like you know running buddy to go with lebron another superstar and now they have a little bit of cap room and so people are like well are they gonna use up their cap room to bring in somebody like kimba walker or kyrie irving which would be ridiculous if they get kyrie or if they get kyrie irving it's like are you serious that would be ridiculous but do they want to do that or do they want to say hey let's use the rest of that money to get some good people 
but not max guys, like not guys that are going to command 20 million per year. Like what if we get somebody that's 10 million per year, which is nothing to sneeze at, but you could get some, you could build a better team around those too. Um, Cause part of the issue is like, even when you look at the Miami team, like outside of Bosch, Wade and LeBron, they really didn't have that many great pieces. Like they, did get Ray Allen, and then you did get some people who just want were chasing a ring to be a part of the team. But like, do you really want to do that route again, or do you want to really build a great, great team? So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Um, so that's what I pretty much have on the NBA Finals. Like, that's not the sport that I mean. I love basketball, but I'm, I'm actually probably more of a bigger college basketball fan than I am NBA, and probably because the Pistons aren't doing too hot right now football season is fast approaching and that's the one that i'm really gonna go hard on like that's yeah it's gonna be a lot of episodes where it's gonna be some (laughs) cowboys related because i'm i'm already fired up and it's not even training camp yet i'm really really hyped and ready for this to go so let's get into the next sports topic which is the women's national team and so yes the women's national team usa has advanced after they beat chile this uh sunday I believe it was three nothing and that was after they slaughtered thailand 13 to nothing yes 13 to nothing and i think cnn had the hilarious um statistic that showed that the, the women's team scoring 13 goals versus Thailand was more goals scored than the men's national team in like the last three World Cup combined. It could have been four World Cups combined. And, <clears throat> you know, the women's team was heavily criticized for pretty much running it up on Thailand. I'm not going to say they ran it up. And the reason I'm going to say this is, is with soccer, goal differential is how they do their tiebreakers. Like, that's how they do it. Like, if if the game ends in a tie or even if the teams have the same record, it's they look at how many goals you score as to who's the top dog or who advances. And so Thailand is not – wasn't expected to win anything. They're not good. Everybody else is going to play them. So – they're probably going to get scored on a lot. Like Sweden also advanced and they beat Thailand five to one. So, um, you know, they scored the first half. It was three, nothing. So at that point, okay, the game's over, but you got to play. Cause also in soccer, it's not like any other sports where you can sub everybody out and put in all the backup people or the, the second team people or even like in college football, when a team is blowing somebody out, they put in all the backups, but guess what? These backups are, highly sought after players too they're great players too and now they're fresh and they got you know while the other team is still playing the whole game and they're they're gonna still get blown out so I wasn't I had zero problem with them scoring 13 goals like you can't tell them to stop scoring you just go keep playing and in fact I agree with a lot of the other commentators that were saying that it's disrespectful to Thailand if they just kind of took their foot off the gas especially when it was like 12 nothing. they got to the end of the game. It was the 90-minute mark. And the crazy thing about soccer is they have what's called extra time. And they tack on extra minutes for whatever. Uh, it's stoppage time. It's like, you know, if somebody was hurt or if they was celebrating during the goal and then 
they add some extra minutes on there. So they get to the end of regulation and they add three minutes on it. And I'm sitting there like, what? Like, it's 12 nothing. <laughs> this is over. Why are you adding time on? So, okay, y'all want to keep playing. We're going to keep playing. So, of course, they scored again. I think the, the I, again, I had zero problem with the scoring. The thing that, and I think most people said they didn't have problem with the scoring overall. The thing they took issue with was the women going nuts after every single goal. Like, they had just won the championship. I mean, I I get it because it was a bit ridiculous to me. Like, when they, I, I was watching, I watched the game. When they went up 8 nothing, I was like, at this point, I was like, is there a mercy rule? Is there like they need to stop this because this is like they're killing like they're being slaughtered like they need to stop this throwing throwing the ta- like it was almost like the um the clip from Rocky Four where Apollo Creed's manager was like Screw, throw in the tail like that's, that's that's what it was to me at that point Tyler should have been trying to throw it in the tail um so. Again, nobody had a problem with the scoring, but they were celebrating like they just won the whole World Cup, and that was a bit ridiculous to me. Like, it's almost like there's a sports saying, especially in football, when somebody be show showboating or high dog, and they be like, you know, act like you've been there before. Like, you know, when Megan Rapinoe scored her goal, and I think at that point it was it put them up like eleven nothing or ten nothing or eleven nothing. And she hit the soccer slide where she ran and slid on her knees like the dude from the Geico commercial where he's sliding out the stadium. Like, she hit that slide. And it's like, dog, you're killing them. Like, this game is not in question. So, I do feel like they could have did better in that regard. And it was funny because, like, um, when I was over at my mom and dad's yesterday, we was talking about it. And my brother's uh, wife, Chanel, and my mom were like, well, if the minute did it, wouldn't nobody have said anything? And, you know, that's, they only say it's because it's women. And, I mean, I think it's a – no, I think, I think that's a weak argument because I have heard other people say that too. But I think the reality of it is, is no. If the dudes had blew somebody out 13 nothing, and then they was jumping up and down and doing backflips, like they was – you know, won the World Cup, people was going to say something. They say the same thing like when people run it up in football and they score a touchdown and act like they just, you know, won the game in the last second. They go off with this crazy choreographed, even when they don't, even when it is a big moment and they go off on some crazy choreographed dance or whatever, people get out of arms. So I don't think it's because they were women. So, but even still, I'm fired up. I love watching the World Cup, especially the Women's World Cup, because unlike the Men's World Cup, the USA women are actually good and they're actually the best and they can win. Whereas the men, you're just happy if they actually even advance. Like it's kind of sad. In fact, it's not even kind of sad. It's super sad. Like the last world cup, the men didn't even qualify for. So anyway, that's my thoughts on that. That's my take on that. So now uh, when we come back, just going to wrap it up with a couple of quick uh, sports points that I wanted to touch on like a couple of quick hits and then wrap it up with the political spotlight. This is the zero to 100 podcast episode 14. Uh, Mr. Chappelle. Yes. Are you aware that Mr. Simpson is going to be on trial for a double homicide? Yeah, I heard about it. It's all bullshit, man. OJ ain't gonna kill nobody. He's rich. 
But Mr. Chappelle, what if I told you that we had DNA evidence linking Mr. Simpson to the scene of the crime? Then I'd have to ask you where you found it. In his bedroom, at the crime scene, and in his car. In a car? Right in his car. Damn. In, in the bedroom, too? In the bedroom. Damn. I, damn. <laughs> then I'd probably just ask you, how'd they find it? The police found a bloody glove on O.J.'s property. Sir, I'm not impressed, all right? Who, what black man don't have some bloody gloves on his property? Man, I got one right here. I don't mean I did anything. Sir, if somebody murdered your family and the police found a bloody glove on O.J.'s property and a witness heard strange bangings minutes after the murders... I'd have to be real confused because nobody in my family beats with O.J. like that. And we would kill OJ after the first time we beat my sister up. We'd have whooped his ass. We'd have made real orange juice out of that nigga. So you ain't gonna find no bloody gloves. If anything happened, you can quote me, sir. They would find some bloody gloves at our house. This was before the OJ be dead, nigga. That's real. Detective Mark Furman was one of the lead detectives Furman. on the case. And Furman. It's a racist. It's a racist name. Furman. Was he the Fuhrer? German? Furman? German? Sound a little familiar to you? I'm sorry, sir, but he probably see his nigga a lot with a name like that. I can't comment. I bet you can't. But as a person that says nigga a lot, trust me. That nigga says nigga all the time. Mr. Chicago, are you suggesting that because one of the detectives is a possible racist and because there may have been some minor oversights in the investigation that it completely lets O.J. off the hook? Exactly, Mundo! The defense rests, sir. Mr. Chappelle. No further questions! Will you at least admit that O.J. more than likely killed his wife? Sir, my blackness will not permit me to make a statement. You're dismissed. This is a Zero to 100 podcast, episode 14. <laughs> and, of course, that was a clip from uh, Chappelle's show, uh, season two, where he's doing the jury selection for that. Uh, if he was a juror on O.J. Uh, Simpson trial. So, I always include that. <laughs> I mean, I, I l- include Chappelle's show stuff because I love the show. And um, it's heavily influenced for me and my brothers and sisters, especially uh, Kenya, Corey, and um, <laughs> Ricky, and we constantly quote stuff from that, like Furman, Fear, German. He's racist. So <laughs> uh, I included that because it's the uh, 25th um, anniversary of that trial. Uh, in fact, today was the anniversary of the white Bronco chase or ever. So the uh, reason why I included that is because I have wanted to comment on the fact that uh, O.J. Simpson, uh, who is free from prison, um, decided to join Twitter and I found his post to be incredibly hilarious as well as, uh, very, uh, just stupid. It is funny because I don't know who's in his camp, but they really need to tell him, dude, you need to just sink into anonymity. Like just chill because it's, it's, uh, yeah, but I'm going to play the quick clips for you real quick just so you can see what I'm talking about. Um, and so I'm going to play the first clip, which was his very first tweet as he joins Twitter. 
Hey, Twitter world, this is yours truly. Now, coming soon to Twitter, you'll get to read all my thoughts and opinions on just about everything. Now, there's a lot of fake OJ accounts out there, so this one, at the real OJ32, is the only official one. So, this should be a lot of fun. I got a little getting even to do. So, God bless. Take care. Okay, word of advice. If you, uh, you know, were accused of a double homicide because you were jealous of your ex-wife, um, and then you went to prison because you broke into uh, a hotel room and you threatened guys or held them at gunpoint to get your memorabilia back, you probably don't want to end your first tweet was, I got some getting even to do. Like, <laughs> like again, you don't ha- I don't know who's on your team, but somebody like you got too many yes men because somebody needs to pull your coat tab like, um, yeah, that's not a good idea. Also, you don't have to go, hey, Twitter world, like, yeah, we know what medium you're on and nobody really calls it that, so... But, uh, yeah, that was his first tweet. Uh, so here's his second tweet, which is a lot less sinister, but uh, I still found it incredibly hilarious. Hey, Twitter world. You know, for years, people have been able to say whatever they want to say about me with no accountability. But now I get to challenge a lot of that BS and set the record straight. More importantly, I'll be able to talk about everything especially sports, fantasy, football, and even politics. But for now, let me just say to my fellow fathers out there, happy Father's Day and God bless. So yes, I don't know anyone who's hot to seek OJ's uh, fantasy football advice. So that was really weird. Um... I'm sure you got a lot of thoughts, but yeah, let's, uh, again, maybe you should fall back, but this is the, uh, this last one, <laughs> there's a couple of parts of it. Uh, I'm not going to play his whole thing. He was actually talking about the, his whole, he was addressing the whole, um, Kim, uh, excuse me, Chloe Kardashian thing where, you know, cause people come out saying, Oh, he's Chloe Kardashian's dad, which is. You know, it's not going to stop people from speculating that just because he came out and said, no, I'm not. But it was the, I'm just going to play this one little clip from it because, again, I'm disturbed by his tone uh, in regards to it. Hello, Twitter world. This is uh, yours truly. You know, this is my first venture into the social media world, and uh, it's amazing, (laughs) you know, especially how quickly they can put up counterfeit sites. Anyway, we'll deal with that. So, yeah, again, um, don't know if you really want to threaten people, per se, because how are you going to deal with that? Are you going to deal with it how you've done in the past? Because it's not a good look. I'm just saying. So, (laughs) again, I don't know who's on this team, but somebody need to pull them back. Like, bruh, maybe you want to think about it. He needs to have a, a... a focus group before he's put stuff out there and somebody please tell him to stop saying hey twitter world um you know it, it, i'm not gonna get into 
by uh you know in fact I think I might save my reactions for for, for uh the whole OJ thing in another episode. But I just thought that was hilarious and I wanted to share my thoughts on that because yeah he need to get off uh get off of there seriously because it's really weird and uh, again dude you know take the win and just fall back chill. Uh, this is the Zero to One Hundred podcast episode fourteen. So, actually, that's going to do it for the uh, Zero to 100 podcast, episode 14. Uh, again, big shout out and thanks to um, my cousin Ebony and Christina. Once again, always going to give them thanks. Um, I didn't do the political spotlight like I typically do. Uh, in fact, I'm going to start the next episode that comes out with it. It will be Elizabeth Warren. But this episode went a little bit longer than I wanted to. And I'm really trying to keep them like just over an hour, maybe an hour and a half max. Um, a little bit over an hour and a half at the most. Uh, I'm trying to keep it to an hour, hour 15. Um, the beauty of podcasting is you can make it whatever if you want, but I know people's attention spans aren't, you know, always into it, but these, I always say, listen to them when you commute, uh, or, you know, listen to them when you sitting at your desk or, you know, or whatever, just, you know, when you have time or at the gym, but, um, I didn't want to add the spotlight on here cause I did, I really wanted to give it some attention and I didn't want to feel rushed on it. So very next episode, it will start with the Elizabeth Warren, um, political spotlight um <laughs> i hope you guys enjoyed it uh, also you can uh, follow me again on twitter at wcw poet um you can email me if you have any questions or if you have any comments on some of the stuff that we talk about or what are your thoughts on oj joining twitter or the nba finals or uh, some of the 2020 candidates you can email us at uh, zero to 100 pod at gmail.com it's a uh, zero to the number 100 um, pod at gmail.com also again i will keep promoting it because his show is great it is my brother ricky's podcast f living rich and dying broke his uh, last episode was really good and informative and talking about real estate he had my friend Hemi on there who is really big uh into real estate he's doing really big things uh, so i definitely recommend you listen to it definitely do that um and again you can follow the zero to 100 podcast please subscribe 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 share 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 it is available on multiple platforms all you have to do is search zero to 100 podcast it's uh, spelled out and it's uh, on apple it's in uh, spotify soundcloud google play store overcast breaker radio public anchor um so you can find it and so um like i said earlier i really wanted you guys to hear howard dean's speech in its entirety so i'm going to end this episode playing his speech in its entirety because there were some other states that he did shout out it wasn't a great moment i don't think it should have cost him from being able to run uh for president in 2004 i don't know if that was necessarily the reason why he lost to john Kerry, but even still it, it was just pretty funny and um again thank you guys for your support this has been the zero to 100 podcast episode 14 we out you know something you know something if you had told us one year ago that we were going to come in third in iowa we would have given anything for that and you know something you know something 
Not only are we going to New Hampshire, Tom Harkin, we're going to South Carolina and Oklahoma and Arizona and North Dakota and New Mexico. And we're going to California and Texas and New York. And we're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. Yeah! We will not give up. We will not give up in New Hampshire. We will not give up in South Carolina. We will not give up in Arizona or New Mexico, Oklahoma, North Dakota, Delaware, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan. We will not quit now or ever. We want our country back for ordinary Americans.